So we have the pleasure, again, of starting our Advent journey today. And as we uh, head towards Christmas, I want to be clear, it's going to be the next four Sundays as we get closer and closer to Christmas. And Advent actually focuses on the arrival of Jesus. The word Advent means someone's arrival or coming. And we call it the Advent season because we are focused on the arrival of Jesus, which is Christmas. We are in our Advent season as we get towards Christmas, all right? And uh, in, in Advent, there are a couple different themes that exist. And the first theme that we have today is hope. And actually, I'm going to walk over to our setup over here. Uh, so many of you may have seen this or not have seen this. This is actually called our, our camera's going to pan over, uh, our Advent um, our, our Advent candles, right? And each one of these candles uh, represents uh, a, a, a different theme. And you see we have one candle lit here today, and that first candle is the theme of hope. Uh, and as we go through the rest of these weeks, uh, we will light each one of these candles uh, in, 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 in commemorating and honoring the themes that come up until we get to the center candle, which is kind of at the bottom here, which is a white candle for Christmas Day. Uh, so we are focusing today on the theme of hope. Uh, and hope is such an important concept, not only for believers, but for human beings. Hope has the power of positively impacting outcomes of situations because hope impacts our internal attitude towards our external environment. So do you know that there is research that says people who have hopeful attitudes when faced with severe or even terminal illness have better prognosis, which means maybe a longer period of life or even a, a better quality of life as they venture through whatever health challenges they're going through. Those who have a sense of hope, even the smallest bit of hope, can have a better outlook and even, over, even overcome their odds. And on the flip side, those who have no hope or lose their hope along their health journeys increase their likelihood for some sort of complication or even an unfavorable outcome. Simply put, hope changes things, even if it's just a little bit. We have lived over the last two years with increasing and decreasing senses of hope. It's just fluctuated so much. And at times, like, like the summer of 2020 and, and the beginning of the summer of 2021, it felt as if hope was fully restored. It felt like things were turning back to normal. And then, boom, how quickly we saw our hopes dashed with the change of the pandemic. Or maybe, if you're like me, there were some points where the pandemic was the least of your worries. I'll be honest with you, y'all. There were points when I was walking through all this that whatever was going on with the pandemic, I didn't really care about. It did not matter to me. I did not care about what was going on. There were bigger things. There were bigger fish to fry that were going on in my life, right? And, and it felt as if the hope that I had in those moments waxed and waned depending on what was going on. And we get the opportunity to see in the text that Vanessa read that even though hope is distant, that hope is real. 
and that the hope of heaven is really what keeps us and gives us purpose in the midst of uncertainty. That brings us to the title of today's message, Heaven's Hope. Heaven's Hope. So again, we know that it is the hope of heaven that, that keeps us and sustains us. But here's an interesting thing about hope that I want us to walk away with as we dive into the first point for today. Hope cannot exist without uncertainty or chaos. What, 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 Lana, what do you mean? Walk with me. What's the opposite of up? What's the opposite of left? What's the opposite of dark? What's the opposite of hungry? <laughs> what's the opposite of thirsty? Not thirsty. What, what's the word for not thirsty? I don't even know what the word for not thirsty is. Quenched. Look at y'all. Y'all went to college. Love that, right? So, so there are opposites in this world, right? Uh, um, Dr. Tony Evans said this one time, and I, I never forgot about this. He said that, um, that without doubt, there is no true ability for faith to exist. You understand what that means? The opposite of doubt is faith. But if you don't have doubt, if there is no such thing as doubt, there could be no such thing as faith. If there's no such thing as chaos and confusion, and uncertainty, there can be no such thing as hope. Let's dive back in, and we're having some tech difficulties in the sanctuary, but online, you should be able to get all these points that are going to come up pretty simply. So we're going to jump in really quick and take a look at the text one more time. In Jeremiah 33, verse 1, this is what we read. Ready? It says, Jeremiah was still being held as a prisoner. He was kept in the courtyard of the guard. Now, what's the context of this? See, Jeremiah is a prophet, and he's being held prisoner by the king currently of, 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 of Israel, of, of, in Jerusalem. Now, why is he being held prisoner? He's being held prisoner because Jeremiah was called by God to prophesy the downfall and destruction of Jerusalem. Whoa, Lionel, what are you saying? exactly what I'm saying. Jeremiah's call was to actually go and inform the people that, hey, listen, this is what the Lord says is going to happen. Our, our beautiful temple is going to be destroyed. Jerusalem, as we know it, is going to fall to the ground. And he's the one that has to deliver this news. And yet, as Jeremiah is committed and is a prophet of God and follow what God says, what he's supposed to do, what happens and what it leads to is a place of confinement, of solitude, and of persecution. It felt as if even though Jeremiah had done what God had asked him to do, his life was at a point and at a place of helplessness and hopelessness. Think about this in terms of our own lives. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to keep it a stack this morning with people that are here and people that are online. Y'all, 
Have you ever been in a place where you believe that God has called you to be where you're supposed to be or do what you're supposed to do? And yet, despite stepping up and following what God has told you to do, you find yourself in a place of loss, a place where the things that you need fall apart and things that used to be no longer are. Where joy should have been flourishing, instead, joy is fleeting. I can't lie. I was there this week, and um, so I pay attention to the news. I get weekly updates and blah, blah, blah. And ever since the coronavirus, I've been like a news head. I find myself on, on CNN and, 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 and MSN News and blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. And I saw very early on Thursday that there was this talk about a new variant. And I'm like, oh boy, what you talking about a new variant? We still got Delta. Are we going to have a new variant now? And then by the time you were done eating your Thanksgiving meal, there was more news on this variant. And then by the time you woke up on Friday morning, they had already named this variant a variant of concern, which means we watching this bad boy. We concerned about this thing. We don't know what's going to go down. And by the time you got to Friday night or Saturday morning, whatever it was, they already named it. The name is what? Omicron. And y'all, I got to be honest with you. I was feeling really optimistic about where things were going. Who's tired of the pandemic? Me? You are? You are? We're all tired of this pandemic. I don't want to have to worry about where my mask, oh my gosh, do I have a mask? Do I have a mask in my car? I don't want to have to worry about if I'm going to the supermarket, are people going to all in my face? Like, I don't, I'm more concerned about people coughing now than I've ever been concerned about people coughing. And quite honestly, if you were watching the numbers for a while, you felt as if things were getting better and that like by the end of this winter, we would probably be in an endemic stage. Coronavirus might be around, but you won't have to worry about it as much. And now we just see the thing just coming back up again. And you're like, man. And I, yo, if I'm going to be honest with you, I, I felt really overwhelmed. And I felt hopeless. Like for a brief moment, I just felt this sense of like, come on. You've got to be kidding me. Again? Is this happening again? What's going on, God? And my mind goes to this, I don't know about y'all, but my mind goes to this catastrophic place. Like, if this thing keeps evolving, like, are we going to be okay? What's going to happen to my kids? What's going to happen to my family? Are we going to be all right? What I want to say to you is this, right? I was able to snap out of that and do what I needed to do to, to breathe and, and to be okay. But what I want to say to you this morning is simple. The presence of the Lord is our hope in the midst of darkness and chaos. It is God's presence, the presence of his son, his Holy Spirit, that is our true hope in the midst of things going crazy. Remember in Jeremiah verse 33 as he sits at the bottom of a well as a prisoner, it is God himself who speaks to Jeremiah and gives Jeremiah a message of hope about the future of Israel. And, 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 and he, he speaks 
in the text about what is to come, this future hope, this baby, this Messiah, this, 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 this child that will spring out of the line of Daniel. He's talking about Jesus. Jesus who comes during the time of oppression, of Roman occupation in the land of Israel. This Jesus is going to be the hope for the world. And even now, as we continue to forge through the uncertainty of COVID-19 and the waves of social inequality and oppression, it is the same Jesus that Jeremiah was being told about. The same Jesus that showed up 2,000 years ago. It's the same Jesus that offers us hope in the midst of darkness. Let, let, me, let me tell you something. The, the, the beautiful thing about the God that we serve, the beautiful thing about being in relationship with Jesus is the hope that you look for. It lives in heaven's certainty of what's to come. Mm, let me make sure you understand what I mean by that, y'all. True hope lives in heaven, and heaven knows what's going to happen next. Heaven understands what's coming. Let me, let me make sure you understand why I say that. We're going to read really quickly um, uh, 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 Jeremiah 33, verse 10 through 16, and this is what it says. The Lord says, you say about this place, it is a dry and empty desert. It doesn't have any people or animals in it. The town of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem are now deserted. So they do not have any people or animals living in them. But happy sounds will be heard there once more. Listen, that's future tense. Happy sounds will be heard there once more. There will be the sounds of joy and gladness. The voices of brides and grooms will fill the street. The voices of those who bring thanks offerings to my house will be heard there. They will say, give thanks to the Lord who rules over all because he is good. His faithful love continues forever. That's because I will bless this land with great success again. It will be as if it was before, says the Lord. The Lord will rule over all. The Lord who rules over all says, this place is a desert. It does not have any people or animals in it, but there will be again be grasslands near all of its towns. Shepherds will rest their flocks here. Verse 13. The flocks will again pass under the hands of shepherds as they count their sheep, says the Lord. There will be, there, that will be done in the towns of the central hill country. It will be done in the western hills and in the Negev desert. It will be done in the territory of Benjamin. It will be done in the villages around Jerusalem and in the, and in the towns of Judea. Verse 14, listen. The days are coming, announced the Lord. At that time, I will fulfill my good promise to my people. I made it to the people of Israel and Judah. Here is what I will do in those days and at that time. I will make a godly branch grow from David's royal line. He will do what is fair and right in the land. And in the days of Judah will be saved. Jerusalem will live in safety. And it will be called the Lord who makes us right with himself. You know what God is saying? Yo, Jeremiah, listen up. Yeah, I know that things look bad right now. I know that you're in the middle of a well. And I know that you're in a well because I already told you Jerusalem's going to fall. And I know that people are already saying that there is nothing here and that it's going to be terrible. But guess what? I got this. J J Jeremiah, listen. Listen, this is it. Hope is coming. You see, what you see is terrible. What you see, what, what you believe is going to happen is horrible. What's going to take place 
is not what I want for, for, to happen, the ultimate goal for your life. It is going to hurt. People are going to suffer. And it's going to be like it's a desert again. It's going to be like a barren land. It's going to be like a place of confusion and chaos. And people are going to be left bewildered. But Jeremiah, listen, hope is coming. And yet, if you're Jeremiah, you say to yourself, what hope? God, I'm in the bottom of a well. What are you talking about? We all know that passage in Hebrews 11 that says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. See, there is a faith that can be the only method to reaching out to hope. So when I was younger, right, my dad used to take care of us a lot because my mom worked and my dad was in school and working, I think, uh, uh, night shifts at the time. So during the day, my dad would take care of us. And, you know, my dad sometimes, he could cook three meals, right? And the three meals he could cook, he, yo, he did his thing. But there were times where he wasn't going to cook. So he would always say to us, and we knew those times, right? We had a feeling because we hadn't eaten anything. You don't smell the mai, maimule, which I did not like eating. For those of you that don't know, maimule is cornmeal, right? And it's, it's just like a cornmealish type meal. You're not missing anything. I know what I'm saying is probably sacrilegious to a lot of people. But uh, uh, so my dad would make this. Uh, he, if we didn't smell it by like 1130, we're like, oh, I think we know what's going to happen. And in the back of our mind, we'd be like, we're going to McDonald's. He's going to take us to McDonald's. And then finally, right, it, it comes mealtime, and my dad, guys, yes, dad, we're going to go eat something. Daddy, what are we going to eat, daddy? What are we going to eat, daddy? What are we, daddy, what are we going to eat? What are we going to eat? We are going to, no, oh, daddy, where are we going? Daddy, where are we going? We're going to McDonald's, McDonald's, yeah. Like all of us, right? And we love Okay, that's really how my childhood went. Don't judge me. Literally, that's how it went. And we would go to McDonald's. And here's the thing. Because we knew what my dad was used to doing for us, we had faith because of what happened in the past. It was easy for us to hope and say, I hope we get McDonald's today. I hope that this is a Saturday where we don't have to eat rice and beans or cornmeal. This is a Saturday where he takes us to McDonald's and we can get the two number two super size with, with a Coke on the side. That's literally what we ordered every single time. But here's the thing. Too many times we let circumstances that stand before us be the evidence or lack thereof for our hope. We see what is coming we see what is here, and instead of hope being our driving force, hopelessness becomes our driving force. Listen again to what they say in verses 10 and 11. It says, you say this place is barren. You say that it's deserted. You say that there are no animals, no peoples, no riches, no resources. But God is saying, but I will make it swell again with people and animals and resources. And you will sing praise to me. I am the hope for this land when you can't see hope. I love again what it says in verse 14. It says, the days are coming. Translation. This is what God is saying. And I want you to walk away with this. Hope 
is coming. I want you to say that to yourself right now, wherever you are. Hope is coming. Hope is coming. You may not be able to see it with your eyes, but the hope that you are looking for isn't based off of what you see. It's not based off of your surroundings. It isn't based off of what is happening. It is not based off of the struggle or the chaos in your existence. The hope that God talks about is in heaven first, and it comes down to earth. Hope must be the foundation in your heart and in your mind before it becomes a reality. There's a reason why it says, thy will be done on earth as it is where? In what the hope we are looking for is already done where? In it's done in heaven. So we need to have the mindset that what is being done, the hope that we need, has already been achieved up above before it can happen down below. Can I get an amen, somebody? Verses 10 through 13 paint a beautiful picture so that by the time you get to verse 14, you can believe and Jeremiah can believe that hope is truly coming. So let me ask you this question today. Can you paint a picture of hope. I need you to pay attention to what I'm saying. Can you paint a picture of hope in your mind this morning? Can you paint a picture of what hope looks like for the kingdom? Can you paint a picture? Can you envision? Can you dream? Can you latch on to a heavenly focus of what hope looks like for your relationship? Hallelujah. Can you look to what hope looks like for your family? Can you look to what hope looks like for your body? If your body is sick, if you are going for a disease, going through disease, can you look at what hope looks like in your mind? If you are plagued by depression or emotions or anxiety, can you begin to envision what hope looks like internally? Because let me tell you something. You need to envision the hope here before the hope actually exists out here. Y'all, let me say to you, ready? This is why I say this. Hope is here. Now, if you're in the sanctuary, I want you to say it with me. Hope is here. I need you to say it like you mean it. Hope is here. And if you're at home, I need you to go into the chat and say it with me. Hope is here. Guys, the hope that we look for, the hope that we envision, it isn't just a dream. It isn't just some sort of fantasy. It's not on your Santa's wish list to be done this Christmas. The hope that you look for is actual. It's with us. And just like it said in the text, the hope came in the form of a baby some 2,000 some odd years ago, a baby who was born in a manger to a woman who was pure in the sight of God, a woman who was overwhelmed by the spirit of the living God and literally brought heaven to earth in her womb with the baby that she carried. And that hope, that reassurance can be and is alive in you. Hold up, Lionel, what you, what you mean by that? What you mean by that, Lionel? Let's read that one more time. Here is what I will do in those days and at that time. I will make a godly branch grow from David's line. What? Huh? I said it already. Jesus came from the line of who? From the line of David. He will be fair and right in the land. And in those days, Judah will be saved. Jerusalem will live in safety. And it will be called the Lord who makes us right within himself. 
You see, the sprout from the line of David was Jesus, the Son of God, our living hope, as it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. The Messiah, our Jesus, is our living hope because of what he came down to do. Understand the mission of Christmas. Understand why Christmas is important. Understand why Jesus' is coming is so important. Because Jesus' is coming was the embodiment of hope from the error of Adam and Eve some 2,000 years prior to that, where they messed up, or however many years prior to that, that they messed up, they fell, and they put us in a place where we were supposed to be doomed. And God sent Jesus and his birth on earth was the start of the fulfillment of the prophecy to say, I'm going to restore you back to me. What was lost is already can be found, and it will be found in the birth and sacrifice that my son Jesus will make. You see, Christmas, without Christmas, we can't fully be restored. Without Jesus being born, hope does not live. Hope does not exist. But God sent Jesus in the form of a baby as hope personified in human form. Now, if you believe in Christ, if you've accepted Christ, if you're walking in Christ, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Colossians 1 verse 27 says this clearly. Christ is in you. He is the hope of glory. Okay, let, let's do the math. Let's do the math. Pull up, pull up, pull up, pull up. So, Jesus is hope manifested in human form. He eventually bears the sin that we're supposed to take, and he is access to God for us, right, if we're in relationship with him. And if Jesus is hope and we've accepted Jesus into our lives and he's living in our heart, what does that mean for us? Where does hope live? Hope lives within us. It means that the hope that you are looking for, the reassurance, the certainty that all of us desire can only be found in when we have faith and put our trust in the one who lives inside of us, which brings me to where I want you to focus in on today. The hope, the choice of hope is a choice of trust. Oof. God have mercy. The choice of hope is a choice of trust. The book of Lamentations is a book of poems. It's poems of suffering and mourning and anguish. In fact, this book of Lamentations, the very book that, 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 that of, of poems of, of pain, comes out of a result as a result of the very prophecies that Jeremiah spoke about. This book was written when Jerusalem fell and was destroyed and, 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 and you saw the people go into captivity. This is why this book was written. The author is driven to a point of tears and ritualistic mourning over the destruction of the beloved Jerusalem. But listen to what the author writes in Lamentations Chapter 3, verse 24. Listen, I love this. I say to myself, the Lord is everything I will ever need. So I will put my hope in him. Wait, did 
you hear that? Did you hear that? In the midst of calamity, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of pain, in the midst of looking at destruction, in the midst of his entire world falling down, the author writes, God, you're all I need. I'm be honest, God, you're all I got. So I'm going to put my hope in you. I'm going to put an action, my hope, in you. The choice of hope is a choice of trust. The trust to believe that God, God, despite what I see, you have me. Despite what might be going on in my body, you have me. Despite what might, what might be going on in my marriage or my relationships, you have me. God, despite what might be going on in my job, you have me. Despite what might be going on with my kids, you have me. Despite what might be going on in my mind, you have me. Despite what might be going on in my community and in my neighborhood, you have me. It, it is to believe that the one who came is the source of hope in all things, despite anything and everything. Let me say that one more time to you. The one that lives inside of you is the hope of all things, despite anything and everything. I don't care what you face today. My heart goes out to you if you are going through trials and tribulations. As a human being, I walk with you. As a brother in Christ, I stand behind you and I support you. And I want to say to you, Christ in you is the hope of glory. And his glory will shine through you in the end. Whether it is here on this life or it's in the next. And a lot of us struggle with that. We struggle with that point of, but God, what if I never see the hope? What if I never experience the hope in this life? What if the hope that we've been talking about, God, I never come face to face with it? The relief from my suffering and my burdens. The release from fear and worry and anxiety. God, I need this hope and I need it now. Let me tell you something. God has an interesting way of using the circumstances in our lives to build us up. And perhaps God has allowed for us to walk through a season where we feel like all hope is lost because he wants us to become completely reliant on him. And in due time, whether it is in this life or when we stand with him in the next, he's going to say, this is why I allowed for this to happen. Because I had a greater plan all along. Can you put your trust and your hope in God this morning, despite what you see, despite what you feel. Can you believe, notice, Jeremiah does not see the coming of Jesus. Do you hear that? Jeremiah the prophet goes through persecution, and the prophecy that is spoke to him, he does not come face to face with it, but he, it is revealed to him, and he finds hope in that thing. Can you 
find hope in the prophecy. As it says in chapter Jer in Jeremiah chapter 29, that I have plans to prosper you, not to harm you. To give you a what? A, a hope and a future. J uh, Proverbs 23 verse 18, and we're going to close, says, There is surely a future hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off. Y'all, let me tell you this as we finish today. There is hope for you. Hope is here. The hope that we look to is not in front of us. It is the hope that we can only find when we put our eyes on Jesus. Today, as we round up, if you know Jesus, but you've struggled with hopelessness, helplessness, or doubt, let me remind you, that hopelessness is just the opposite of hope. And that if you have hopelessness this morning, it means that you can cross the threshold into being hopeful if you commit yourself to that. But if you want to be hopeful, I want to urge you, you have to be willing to shift your heart and your mind back to Jesus, our Messiah, heaven's hope, the author of our finisher and faith. If you are in relationship with Jesus, but you need for your hope to be re restored, today's that opportunity for you. But if you don't know Jesus and you are looking for hope, you came to the right place this morning. We're talking this morning about Jesus, the Lamb who came, the Messiah who came to fulfill the prophecy and restore us back into relationship with God. But some of you on the line may not know him, or maybe you need to recommit yourself to him. Well, guess what? Today we're going to do that. Today you're going to have the chance and the opportunity to go before God and say, this hope that I hear this morning that comes through you, Jesus, I want to know it, and I want to walk with you and be in relationship with you. If that's you, Jesus is ready. And he's saying, my child, hope is here. Just come. No, come. Hope is right here. Come with me right now. I got you. Let me take you and come walk with me. You'll know what real hope is. So we're going to pray two prayers really quickly. The first prayer is for those that want to recommit or accept God, uh, Christ into their life this morning. And Father, we come before you. Lord, we are imperfect we are flawed, we are depraved, and Father, without you, all hope is lost. Without your Son, all hope is lost. But Lord, we thank you that you, you sent Jesus. You sent Jesus as a baby, so that way we can be restored into relationship with you. You sent him, the Messiah, to be the Savior of the world so that we can walk step in step with you, Father. Right now, Lord, for those, Lord, that are wanting to be in relationship with you, we admit right now that we can't do this without you. And that without Jesus, we are separated from you forever. Without Jesus, there is no hope. But God, we believe that you sent Jesus in the form of a baby, to one day make the march up to Calvary, to bear the weight and burden 
our sin and restore us just as you restored Jerusalem. Lord, we commit ourselves to you. We confess that you are Lord over our lives and that from today on, you will be our king. That we will strive to be like you, to live like you talk, live like you lived, talk like you talked, and think how you thought. Father, we know that we are sons and daughters, and we thank you for sending Jesus and restoring us back into relationship with you. In Jesus' name. And the second prayer that we pray is for those of you that want to go deeper in this sense of hopelessness, in the sense of hope. Father, we pray for your children who have been walking with you but have felt stuck in a season of hopelessness. Father, we ask that you fix their eyes back onto you, Father, that they can put their eyes back on Jesus and that they are reminded that Jesus is hope embodied, hope personified, hope manifested, heaven's hope in earthly form. And Lord, if he lives in us, despite what we may see, we have the hope of glory for today and tomorrow. Lord, let us be strengthened. Let our prognosis shift because we find and put our trust in you. Lord, despite the chaos and uncertainty, you are all we need and we put our hope back into your hands. We thank you for being our hope. In Jesus' name, amen. And as Vanessa comes up, remember, Lord, uh, y'all, that we are walking through uh, a season of uh, reflection and today we talked about hope and next week we'll talk about peace and um, through this next couple of weeks the Lord wants to speak to us about things that are going on in our lives as we prepare to invite and celebrate the coming of Jesus I want to invite you in each and every week to join us as we march through peace joy and love in the following weeks and that those things can come and descend on your life in a mighty way Thank you, and, and God bless you. And as Vanessa comes up, we'll continue on with the remainder of our service.